0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today we are continuing our series uh, and we're talking about a better life. Here's what we've been doing. We've been diving into the Ten Commandments. We've been talking about not just the Ten Commandments, not a bunch of do's and don'ts and, uh, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. We're talking about the principle behind each commandment because we know that the principle, spiritual principles are timeless, You can read something in the Old Testament and you may say, wow, that's crazy. That applies to them. That was a certain group of people. But I guarantee if you ask the Holy Spirit, what's the principle behind this situation? What's the principle behind this story? The Holy Spirit will reveal something to you that you can apply to your life today. That's why we don't just skip over the Old Testament and say, well, that was then and this is now. No, the principles stand the test of time. The principles go with the longevity of forever because God's principles never end. And so we're talking about these principles that we can apply to our life. And in doing so, we can live a better life. Not a perfect life, not a life without, without battles, not a life without um, uh, you know, resistance from a spiritual enemy. But we can live a life that is what we like to call the overcoming Christian life. That though you may face battles, you can walk in victory. And this is the whole theme with the children of Israel receiving the Ten Commandments and eventually making it to the promised land. What's the promised land uh, for them was a physical place. For us, again, taking those principles, the promised land for us is not heaven someday. Because when the children of Israel got into the promised land, there were still battles. There were still enemies. There were still wars to be had. That's the same way for us today. For us, our promised land is not heaven our promised land is living the overcoming spiritual life. Just like them entering in. What is it? It's a promised land. It's a good way to live, a good place to live. But I will live in victorious life even when I face resistance. You know, yesterday I, um, I went and I... I Played golf with one of my good buddies that every once in a while we try to go play golf together, and honestly we 're both not that good, but we, we went out and uh, we were playing at this golf course, and it was incredibly windy yesterday, like ridiculously windy and uh, so we didn 't play very good and At the end of the uh, the day we, uh, we were looking at each other, and as we were driving back to the house, we were just talking about how I wonder what went wrong today in our golf game. You know, was it, the, was it that the course wasn't as good a condition? Was it that it was just really windy and we should blame that? Or was it the fact that we we're just not very good golfers? Um, and so I, I told him, I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think it's a little bit of everything, maybe the most on the last one, that maybe we're not as good as we think we are. But here's why. Do we spend time on the range hitting golf balls every week? No. When do, when do I practice when I play? <laughs> when someone asks me to go play 18. Am I practicing? No. There are times I'll, I'll, I'll you know do a little bit of hitting in my backyard, but I don't have a huge backyard, so I'm not really practicing that much. I'm practicing a little bit, but how much am I actually putting in the little disciplines to change how I play? This is exactly how it works spiritually. Many times we face things in our life and we wonder, why am I not having victory in this area in my life? Why am I not farther along spiritually than I should be? Why am I still facing the same thing over and over again? And many times I would like to ask, how is your daily disciplines with God? How's your daily time in God's word? Do you have quality time in God's presence and in his word? You know, many times I will get up and I will read God's word, but then I'll read and sometimes I'll just close it and I will move on throughout my day. And did I read my Bible today? Yes, yes. Did I have quality time with my Savior today? No. Quality time is undistracted time together where I am undistracted. I have no agenda as far as I got to hurry up and get this over with so I can go to work or I can get this done or I can do. I have some undistracted time where I can actually sit for a period of time in his presence to talk to him but also to hear from him. Quality time. Those types of disciplines, and this is why many times will look at the Ten Commandments and we think this is so obvious. But many times it's the most obvious things that Christians fail to do that often get them into the biggest messes. If we would just do the little things of God's word, well and consistent, well, that's boring. Well, the boring stuff will save your life many times. So here's what we're gonna look at today. Here's the principle, or here's the, the, the commandment. Exodus 20, verse 15 says this, you shall not steal. Okay, the past few weeks have been like this. Is this obvious? This is incredibly obvious. You shouldn't take other people's stuff, right? Wrap it up. Let's go to the house. No, here's what we're going to talk about. You shall not steal. Here's what that means. You don't take anything that belongs to another person. Right? It's pretty obvious. We're, we're going to talk specifically about physical things today. Property, um, stuff from other people, money from other people, things like that. We're going to talk about that. But I would also take this a little, even a little bit of a step further and say, have I been stealing someone else's dignity? Have I been stealing their reputation by how I run my mouth? Maybe I I don't think of it this way, but how I talk about my boss or my work outside of work. Am I stealing the reputation of my company I work for because of how I'm running my mouth? Have I been stealing someone's trust? See, we can dive a little bit deeper here and make it all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not robbing banks. But maybe I need to get a little bit better control of my mouth and how I'm talking about things because I'm stealing something from someone else. We're not going to dive into all of that today, but I just want us to think a little bit deeper. When you read God's word, sometimes it's good just to press pause and ask, how does this really apply to me to me today? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the principle of trust. Trust God is the title for today. Because here's why. Why would, you can ask the question, why would anyone, especially a Christian, why would, why would I steal something from someone else? The root of the issue is that I don't trust God to provide. If I'm going to steal something, big or small, I don't trust God. I don't think God's big enough to provide that need. I don't think God's big enough to provide even that little detail in my life. I don't have trust in God. I may have a little bit, but I don't have it in every area of my life. And so we're going to dive into this a little bit. We're going to pull some of our our main points from Ephesians 4, 28. Let me read it and we'll get into it. It says this, let him who stole, this is being uh, spoken or written to, um, this is written to Christians. So let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give him who has need. So point number one is this, This it's going to be pretty obvious. Point number one is Stop stealing. If I'm stealing, I need to stop. Hopefully we know that. But let me, let me sit here for just a second. Stop stealing. Let me um, also show us in God's word where we see some examples of this. In Exodus 16... Here we see the children of Israel, God is providing, providing daily food for them, manna. It is showing up. They come out of their tents, and there's the manna. They go out, they gather a certain amount individually, and it's enough for them to eat and to survive, to maintain uh, some health. And so let's look at it here. Um, Exodus 16, verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it, the manna, according to each one's need. One omer for each person. According to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. Verse 17. Then the children of Israel did so, and they gathered, and some more and some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. A couple things to point out here. And omer is basically about two leaders. About two liters per person. But the issue was if you went out and you gathered more than what you had, you were actually stealing from someone else in need. And so you had to keep watch of how much am I gathering for not just me, but for my household as well. But here's what would happen. You had six days that you could go out and gather the manna. We've already talked about the principle of rest, which is the Sabbath. The seventh day, there wasn't any. So God provided double portion on the sixth day. So sixth day, what do I do? I go out and I gather double so that I have enough for the seventh day. But people didn't trust God. And so here's what happened in Exodus 16, verse 28. They would go out and on the seventh day, they would look for manna. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? God's looking at them and he's saying... What are we doing here, guys? Like I'm providing, I'm doing miraculous things, yet you continue to go against what I am asking you to do. Why why are we doing this? How long are you going to continue or refuse to keep my commandments? That word keep in the original language means a a guard or a trustworthy keeper of something. How long are you going to refuse to keep? Here's what God's saying. How long do you refuse to trust me? How long are you going to go without trusting me? Why do you refuse to trust me? Why do you refuse to trust that I will provide enough on the sixth so you can actually rest on on the seventh? Why are you pushing the boundaries like this? Why don't you actually trust me? Stealing is a bold statement to God that we do not trust him. And that's what it boils down to. When I choose to steal, to take, to go behind someone's back, whatever it may be, I'm showing God, Lord... I don't trust you to provide this. Ephesians 4 speaks to believers. And and we looked at that verse a little bit earlier. And, And honestly, we still live in a very corrupt culture society today. Many Christians steal today, but in a much different way. Again, we may not be robbing banks, but there are things that we're going out that we are taking. Here's a few examples. Have you ever taken a longer lunch than was allowed by your work? but you still only accounted for the allotted time. But stealing, right? Like I'm stealing time, I'm stealing money, I'm getting paid for what I said I was doing, but I wasn't actually. Have you ever had access to business funds, but you used them for personal use? Bear with me here, let's continue. Have you ever received too much change back from the 15-year-old at Chick-fil-A at the register who didn't know how to count change and you just thought it was just a blessing from God? Lord's chicken, right? Man, he works in mysterious ways. The chicken's good. We get extra change back. Come on, somebody, right? And it's funny, but it's also like, huh. Let's think about it for a second, right? To not pay one's debts back is a form of stealing. Somebody has to pay that. And if I refuse, what am I doing? I'm not acknowledging that's mine. Here's what God's word says. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. But the righteous is gracious and kind, and gives. Here's what happens: many times we will, we you know, we do little things. We take a longer lunch than we should have. We we uh, use this fund we shouldn't have done that. Whatever it is, right? We they bless me with more change back. They didn't give me the right. Whatever. Um, many times we do this, but we fail to tie what we're taking back to the Lord. Well, my boss is filthy rich. The business is successful. What's the big deal? Well, in, in Psalm 24-1, I don't have a verse slide for it, but it says, the Lord owns everything. It's all his, the fullness of it. So when I steal from someone else, who am I really stealing from? The Lord. I, do, I work as unto the Lord. And if he owns everything and has everything, the fullness of it, when I steal, it's, it's, we can justify it when the boss is rich and the business is good. But when all of a sudden, when I think this belongs to God, It helps me check my heart and it helps me just pump the brakes for a second and just say, is this the right thing to do? Is this the righteous thing to do? Is this what Jesus would do? And it just helps me pause for a second. So though we may not be robbing banks, right, hopefully you're not, there are some ways that we will be tempted to still steal From other people. So, step one, if we're gonna work on our trust with God, I gotta do my part. I gotta stop stealing. Point number two is this I need to do good work. I didn't just say do work, do good work. There is a very big difference in those two phrases do work versus do good work. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. It says this, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Okay? You can have a job, but not work. You know what I'm talking about? You ever worked with somebody like that, right? You're busting it, and they're over here doing nothing, getting paid the same as you. How frustrating that you both have a job, Maybe the same job, you're working, they're not, nobody knows about it. You can have a job but not work. You ever heard the phrase, you're working hard or hardly working, huh? Right? (laughs) That's, That's what we're talking about. You can have a job, you can go to work, but you can actually not be diligent. But somehow we still go to church and we pray and expect God to bless our lack of diligence. That does not align with God's word. He says, when you work hard, when you are diligent in your work, when you work as unto him, everything you put your hand to will be blessed. But many times we try to take the easy way out. Well, boss doesn't know. Nobody's looking. No accountability. I'm doing my own thing. I go at my speed rather than attacking each work day. And I'm going to be a great worker. I'm going to be a great laborer. Rather than attacking, it. I just kind of sneak around. And well, I don't know why God's not providing. I don't know why God's not showing up in, my, in this area of my life. Let me examine myself. Am I doing good work or am I just working? That's really the question. So um, God blesses hard work. Labor, to labor means what? To be weary, to be tired, to be exhausted in your labor. It means you're given everything you got. And here's why that's important. Because earlier we talked about the principle of the Sabbath, right? Which is the principle of rest. What justifies having a full day of rest each week? Hard work. <laughs> Our culture would like to tell you, well, hey, if you just need some, you just take some time off here. You can have six Sabbaths and you work one day. That's not how God set it up. Now, here's going to be times where you need to take a, you need to take a break for your own health. That's one thing. I'm just talking about on a regular. If you're a healthy person working consistently, what do we do? We work hard. We don't just work. We do good work. We do excellent work. We go after. We are the best employees that our bosses have. And we go to work. And my boss loves to see me come through the door. And when I come to the door, he knows we're going to get some work done today. Why? Because I work as unto the Lord. And when I do so, I can rest on the seventh day. I can rest and take a Sabbath. And I can rest knowing I did a great job this week. I did a great job this week. And guess what? Hard work, hard workers are few and far between. In today's world. Like young people, if you're just getting into a career, let me tell you something. My dad told me this all the time growing up. You want to you wanna be successful, <laughs> here's how you do it. You show up early, you be willing to stay late, and you have a great attitude. If you will do those three things, your boss will love you, your boss will look for ways to promote you. If you're doing excellent, diligent work while you're there with a good attitude, there's a lot of people that are hard workers, but they got a crummy attitude, and the boss doesn't want to be around them, so they always get passed up for promotion. How's my attitude to at work? I need to do good work. So the eighth commandment is the balance of the fourth commandment. Take a Sabbath, because you've been doing some good work. That's what God did. What? He made, he did work, and what did He say? It's good. It's good. Then he could take a Sabbath. He took a Sabbath. God's plan is that you would work and receive joy from your work. Many times we think of the very beginning, we think of heaven, and we think, well, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to have this huge mansion. I'm going to turn on the AC and the fans, and I'm going to go get in my king-size bed, and I'm going to get under the covers. I'm going to sleep for like a thousand years. <laughs> I am not going to tell you this, but that's not, uh, well... I'm pretty sure that's not what's going to happen, okay? (laughs) Because here's why. In the very beginning of time, God creates um, the the garden, Adam and Eve. And what does he tell them to do? Let's look at it. Genesis 2.15. The Lord took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. We're most likely going to have something to do in heaven. We're not going to be sitting around doing nothing, okay? We're going to have some good food. There's going to be some great times. But also, God is a productive person god he's always doing more than you think he is he's always doing more than you think He is. he's always working when you think he's not working and here's the thing when we walk in perfect harmony with him as adam and eve did at the very beginning what happens he says i'm gonna put you here i'm gonna allow you to be a steward for me to steward this and i'm gonna walk with you and we're gonna work it and we're gonna keep it and i'm gonna give you wisdom and we're gonna be fruitful and multiply in everything that we do why because we're doing work and we're doing good work Ecclesiastes 2.10 says this. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. What was? What was his reward? His work. People call me crazy because I like to mow the yard and take care of the flower beds and things like that. And people are just like, I don't know why you would like that. It's super hot outside. I don't know why. Here's why. It's like this instant gratification. It's like this instant result. Right? The yard's Overgrown. You can mow it, and when you're done, it looks good. You do a, a stripe, and guess, guess what? That part's done. You can see progress. And afterwards, I like to stand back and be like, just like a dad, I don't have the white shoes when I mow with the green, you know, the green tint on the white I don't have that going just yet, but I like to stand back and be like, man, that looks good. And what, am I, what, what, what joy am I getting? The satisfaction of a hard day's work. It's a lost thing in our culture today. There's a lot of young people who parents aren't teaching them this, and so parents, we need to be teaching this. Even you even got little kids. My son's eight years old. Guess what? You got some jobs to do around here, bud. Like, you can scoop the dog poop. He was helping me, not mow. I mowed the front because I, you know, want it to look good. But he mowed the backyard. Okay. Hey. You can move hey, and and I'm I'm doing my part to be a proper representation of God to him. And hey, if you do this, you get an allowance. You get, a, a, you know, you get uh, to buy that video game, whatever it is. We've got to teach our kids to do good work, because when I do good work, and I work as unto the Lord, what happens? He, his word says He would bless everything I put my hand to. What does that do? It builds my faith, because when I do my part and I see God do His part, I know. Man, when I did that here, God showed up. So I'm going to continue to do good work because I know as I continue to do it, he was faithful here. He will be faithful here. And he's going to be faithful tomorrow when I do good work. Does that make sense? It builds my faith. Be the type of worker your boss loves to see at work. Point number three is this. Get to giving. <laughs> Get to giving. Point number one, stop stealing. Stop stealing. Number two, do good work. Number three, get to giving. Ephesians 4, 28 says this. We looked at it a little bit earlier. It says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. He may have something to give. He may have something to give. That's the example here. He may. What does that mean? We get to give. We don't have to give. When I do God's word, when I stop stealing, when I do good work, what happens? I can get to giving. I don't have to I don't have to give. I get to. We get to give. And here's another way of saying it. We don't give to get. Why am I a generous person so I can get blessings from God? No. That's not my motivation. My motivation is because I want to be a proper representation of Jesus Christ and my Heavenly Father who is the most generous in all the universe. For God so loved that he gave. That's why we say we want to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. What does love like Jesus mean? To give like Jesus. God so loved, he gave. We love like Jesus, how? When we give of ourselves. In our time, my treasure, my talent, whatever it might be, my attention, when I am a generous person, it builds my trust in God. It helps me have trust in God. Because again, God will be faithful to his word. The biggest theft going on in the church, though, is taking what belongs to God. Let me say that again. The biggest theft going on in the church is taking what belongs to God. And I would also say that also has to be the biggest statement of unbelief that I can make to God with my actions. Is if I choose to see his word and don't do what it says, what am I saying? I don't believe you, God, that you will do what you said you would do. Why else would I be disobedient? If he says, if you do this, I will provide. If you do this, I will show up. If you do this, I'm ready to move on your behalf. But I don't do it. I must not truly believe that he will show up. So I've got to ask myself, <laughs> do I believe God enough to trust him? Do I believe him enough to trust him first? We see this. Here's a great example. We see this in the story of the children of Israel. Eventually Joshua becomes the leader, and they're going into the promised land. And as they're going into the promised land, they come to the first city, city of Jericho. Joshua 6.19 says this, But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. What's consecrated mean? What does that mean? To be set apart, to be holy, made holy, set apart. He says, if you'll do this, he said, God is saying, if you will set apart all of the gold, all the stuff from this first city, the rest is for you. Give me the first. Trust me for the first. But here's what happens. A guy named Achan, he goes in and he sees the stuff and he takes some for himself. And he goes to his tent and he hides it in his tent. And let's pick up in Joshua seven eleven. it says this, Israel has sinned, and they have also trans- transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they even take some of the accursed things, God, God didn't curse it, they were putting themselves under a cursed system by doing it. They took some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. You see, stealing doesn't go without deception. So that's why stealing, even the little stuff, is a big deal. Because who am I acting like? The devil. The deceiver. So even when I do it a little bit, a little bit of sin isn't okay. (laughs) A little bit of deception isn't okay. A little bit of stealing isn't okay. Now here's the thing. Am I going to make honest mistakes from time to time? Am I going to stumble into sin from time to time? Yes. But am I willing to get back on the right track to confess my sin, to repent and make it right? Am I willing to do that? So here's what happens. They took the things. Achan took the things. He was, they stole it, they deceived, they deceived people, he deceived other people. And this shows us how this applies to our lives. Because if it's consecrated, if it's made holy by getting it taken, or by taking it to God's house, then it's cursed if I take it to my house. It can be holy, though the all in the future can be made holy when I take it to God's house. But I say, I allow it to be cursed when I take it to my house. So what did Achan do? He hid this stuff. He hid it. And he put it where? In darkness. And this is what we do. This is how we operate when we steal. We operate in a spirit of darkness rather than light. They are going into the promised land. They finally made it. But what does Achan do? They're going to the land of abundance. What does he do? He doesn't trust God enough to believe that he will provide. That if they give it all to God, he will take care of the rest. He doesn't trust them enough. Because of that, he never makes it to experiencing God's provision to the fullest. He doesn't make it to the promised land. He doesn't go further in. This is a representation of the tithe, and it's a great reminder for us. You'll never enter into God's provision for your life if you steal from Him. Let me tell you something. When it comes to tithing, and as a pastor, it always comes across like, I want your money. Please tell me it's not that. Because my wife, Leslie, and I have gone through seasons in our life where we had an empty fridge, where I didn't know how we were going to make our rent payment, where we missed payments. But every time, here's what happened. No matter what money we made, we chose to tithe. And does it make sense here? Absolutely not. I said, we're going to tithe. And though things were tight, God always provided. And I could show you our checkbook, our budgets from years in our lives where it's like, I don't know how you're paying the bills. And I would say this. I don't know how in the natural either, but all I know is our God is providing our every need. Because I ain't making enough to pay this bill, but it's paid somehow. And you may say, well, you may not believe that, but here's all I'm asking you to do is to try. And that's all I can tell you. I can show you God's word, but at the end of the day, you have to make a decision. Will I trust God enough that what his word says is true? Because we don't like to think that we're stealing from God. But I'll show you, this is, this is Old Testament where we see Jesus talks about tithing in the New Testament. I won't get into all that today. But Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, God says. And you say, what way have we robbed you? He says in tithes and offerings. There's three ways that we are generous or we give in the New Testament. There's tithe, which is the first 10% of my income goes to the house of the Lord. That's the tithe. I return it to God. I'm not giving to God. I return it. It's already his offering is above and beyond that. It's, it's, a, it's an offering to the church, to an organization. That's an offering. There's also an alms for somebody in need. When I give alms to somebody, those are three ways that we give, that we are generous in the New Testament. He says, in tithes and offerings. He said, you are cursed with a curse. Why? Is God cursing us? No, we are off. We are removing ourselves from the blessing of God and putting ourselves under a cursed system. I'm just taking all my finances and my money. And I'm saying, I'm going to put it over here where it's cursed and hope for the best because I think I can do more with 100% than God can with 90 He said, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's God's house. That there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I want to open the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Here's what's crazy. From the beginning of time, from the beginning of God's word, God has been trying to put the principle of trust into his kids. From the very beginning. Right? Adam and Eve. You can have every tree except that one. Why? Trust me. Don't do it. (laughs) Cain and Abel. Bring me the first. Bring me the first. Abel brings firstborn. Cain doesn't bring the firstborn. Why? He doesn't trust God. Cain waits. I'll see if I have enough left over. Then in the process of time, God's word says, I will, bring a, I will bring an offering. That's not how it works. It takes trust and it takes faith to give first. What's Jericho? God says, give me all the silver, all the gold in that city. Why? It's the first city. All through scripture, God is saying, if you will trust me, I will provide. But will I trust him first to see his provision? Too many times we just don't trust. But you will never know how much God can and will provide until you trust him first. That's what what I'm trying to show you here. All through scripture, God is saying, trust me. Trust me and see how I will move. Trust me even though there's a lion's den. Trust me, even though there's a fiery furnace. Trust me, even though there's a red sea in front of you and an enemy chasing you. Trust me, get out of that boat and walk in the water. Trust me, rise up and walk. Trust me, Lazarus is not, he's not dead. He's just sleeping, trust me. Sounds crazy to trust God. It sounds extravagant. It sounds extreme to trust God. But if you want to see God show up in extreme ways in your life, you're going to have to have the faith To believe a little bit extreme. To believe a little bit of the impossible can happen. When we choose to steal, the root of the issue is what? It's a lack of trust. That's what we're talking about today, trust. How do we trust God? How do we make sure that we're doing our part so God can provide, so our trust can grow in him? Stop stealing. Examine your life. Have I been stealing even the smallest ways from someone or something? Number two, do good work. Be diligent. Be the type of worker your boss loves to see show up every day. Number 3, get to giving. We don't have to give. We get to give. It's an honor. It's a privilege to represent God well to the world around us by living a generous life. It's not a weight. It's an honor to be a generous person. Let's be the type of people that trust God in every area so that we can let God move in every area of our life. Trust him. And he will show up. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Today, God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a good Heavenly Father. That you love us. That you don't want to just give us a bunch of do's and don'ts, rules to follow. No, you want to give us principles to live by so we can live a better life. We can live a blessed life. That we can live a victorious life. And God, today we just submit ourselves to you. And we just ask you, Lord, would you help us? trust you would you help us in those areas that we have been stealing help us repent and make it right in those areas that we have been robbing you lord help us have the faith lord show us in your word bring us fresh fresh revelation and holy spirit is our helper we ask you to help us live this out and lord we know this that as we trust that you always show up that you are faithful to provide that your promises are yes and amen when we trust you When we stop stealing, when we do good work, and when we get to giving, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.